the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Amplified Peace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplified Peace. We are all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Together, we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Jernigan, and Joining me today is my friend, Jen, Jen, Jessica. Why did I want to say Jenica? Jenica, <laughs> can I combine it? Jessica Nicely with Winged Hope, which is a family advocacy foundation. Now, I want to tell you just a little bit about Winged Hope. And Jessica, I'm going to let her explain more. But Winged Hope works to prevent family violence and provides hope and healing to those affected by family violence. They serve the community in three ways, with direct victim services, by renovating and starting new facility advocacy centers, and by providing training around the state. There is so much good I could say about you, Jessica, and so much good I can say about Winged Hope, um, just that I've learned and I'm continually learning. And you are the real deal. You're a practitioner. You're in the weeds. Your heart is bigger than I don't even know what to say. And um, I'm just excited to have you and have our listeners meet you and be introduced to your work, um, maybe for the first time, or maybe to learn a, bit, a little bit more. So welcome to Amplify Peace. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm so excited to be on here. And you know, I love what you do. And I feel like um, there are more of us out there doing this work than than we know. And I love when we get to meet each other and learn about each other and, and collaborate together to to do good in this world. It really is about collaboration and each one of us saying, here's what I bring to the table. Here's what you bring to the table. We truly are better together in this space and we need each other. But and that's what I appreciate about being able to do like this podcast and other things where we introduce people to people doing really good work. Um, And a lot of times you don't hear about it behind the scenes. It's invisible work, but it's making lasting impacts in our community. And that's what you're doing and who you are. And one of the things I just so appreciate about you among many is just your humility, your humble heart. You don't care. You just want to get in there and you're a fighter and you are somebody I always want on my side because I know you're (laughs) going to get in there and you're going to make it happen. So just share with us a little bit about you, about Winged Hope and why this work matters so deeply to you. Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for those nice things. Um, you know, for me, I, I always say my journey started, I think, really very shortly after I was born. Um, like you said, I'm a fighter, and, and I think that started a long, long time ago. Uh, my my birth mom left when I was just eight months old, and so I never did get to have a, a mom in the traditional sense and never called someone mom. Um, and my daddy uh, raised my sister and I, and he struggled a lot and um, had a a lot of addictions and um, was abusive in in all the ways, especially physical um, and emotional. And so 
I, I really think God started me on this journey way back then. And um, I often talk about the scripture in Job that I love um, that talks about, you know, having six troubles and then rescuing you after seven and how I misinterpreted that my whole childhood and thought that I really was going to just be done after I had seven bad things, which um, fortunately or unfortunately I had before the age of 18. And so I thought, Oh, good, I'm done. And I'll never have bad things again. And, um, and I think that that really is the beginning of my journey because um, having to fight all the time, literally and figuratively and having to rely on God all the time um, was really great practice for me. I feel like a lot of times I read about people who struggle with their faith or struggle to hear God or connect with God. And for me, fortunately, that's not ever, ever been an issue because he's been all I had sometimes. And so, um, so that's how it started. And I really, truly feel like God had me experience all the trauma that I did so that I could be his light for others um, today. And it's really why I feel called to do what I do and, and, and why it matters so much to me, because I remember that feeling and um, I often say, you know, I was one of many children who wished our childhoods away because you just are literally counting the days till you turn 18 and can leave that house and start your own life. And that's not a way for any child to live. And I, um, I really just want to be that beacon of hope for children and for people that are just living in trauma. And I think that's something I learned, even though I have had so many experiences that so many have, and, and I think that's how I can relate to so many people. What I've learned over time in doing this work is trauma is trauma and sadness is sadness and grief is grief. And we don't have to have walked the exact same path to be able to help each other heal and to be able to give each other love and hope. We, we If you know pain, it, it feels pretty similar no matter what the start of that pain is. And so um, I just feel like God's really allowed me to experience so much so that I can be able to give so much. And, um, and, and I'm fortunate to be able to see that as a blessing. And, and again, God created me in such a way that I do focus on the good. And so, um, so I can see that all that hard stuff was really for good and for his good. And um, yeah, that's, that's the short version. <laughs> I know it's a short version because I know your story. And <laughs> every time I'm with you and we have a conversation, I just, I hear a little bit more about your story. And I'm always amazed that your story from childhood and even in you know adulthood hasn't made you bitter because you would have every right to say I'm a victim and this is not right and it shouldn't happen. But instead you have said, no, I'm going to be a victor and I'm going to help others in that. You said something just a few minutes ago about, you know, trauma is trauma and pain is pain and it doesn't matter what it is. And I think a lot of times we compare. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I hear a lot of people going, well, I didn't experience that. So it's not mm -hmm. my, my pain is not as bad as yours because I didn't do, you know, I didn't experience X, Y, and Z. And yet you said trauma is trauma and pain is pain. And we tend to rate like how we should feel based on our circumstances or it's not as bad as somebody or it's worse than somebody else. Can you just kind of address that? Like, how do we like, so you, you're able to 
truly love and minister people that may not have the same life experience because you identify in the places of pain and trauma. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And actually it's funny. I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday. I feel like sometimes the people who have, like you said, if you're comparing pain and comparing trauma, um, just, just that's in quotes, one hard thing in their life, but they had a wonderful life and they were, you know, loved every minute and cared for and nurtured. They, and then one really hard traumatic thing happens to them. Sometimes it's harder for them than it is for someone like me who had trauma after trauma after trauma before my first birthday even. And I think that when we've had a lifetime of trauma like that, we've also learned skills and we've also learned how to cope with things in a way that those who didn't have trauma after trauma don't have. So I I see what you're saying. And I I get that it's easy on paper to be like, well, you know, my life was so much harder than hers. Why is she struggling so much? But really, um, she might not, not have had any tools to know how to deal with something hard that happened. Whereas I learned really early what worked for me, what didn't work for me, and and learned how to walk through trauma really young. And um, and I got a lot of practice. I got to do it over and over and over again. And so, yeah, it's it's wrong to compare because it just doesn't work like that. Um, also, we never really know what trauma is going to do to somebody. I mean, it's there's so many layers to it, and there's so many different factors to it, and and what seems like you know might really really break someone might you know be something that just seems like a blip on the screen of trauma to someone else and and I think that's really where our faith comes in too where we have to trust that God knows people used to always always say that expression to me so I don't love it that God never gives you more than you can handle right. and like people gave me pillows with it and it was like you know that doesn't really help me and and I, I feel like it, it seems so true but it, it is true I mean so what, what I prefer to say it like this, like God knows um, our hearts and God knows what we are able to carry and what he needs to carry for us and when he needs to carry what for us. So mm-hmm. I feel like that really is what happens with trauma and why we can't compare because God, only God really knows our stories and only God really knows our hearts and what we are capable of tolerating and how much we can carry. And so I think that yeah, it's really easy to do that and to feel like, you know, why is, why is she falling apart when this person has all this and they seem like everything's great in the world and it's just really perspective. And that is something too important that I think we, we, we definitely have come a long way since I was little and had so much trauma like in, in being able to talk about things and address things. But sometimes I think um, we dwell on things too much. And I always like to say, I like to deal with things without dwelling on it. So like I can deal with something and I can, I'm not shoving it away. I'm not putting it in a closet. I'm dealing with it, but I'm not dwelling on it. So it's not overtaking every single minute of every single day. Um, I can deal with it and, you know, put it over here in this pocket and then, you know, try to get other things accomplished and then come back, pull it back out of its pocket, deal with it again, but not 
make it the center of everything. And I think it's really, really easy. And I get that when trauma happens to want to do that and to feel like that's all you can do. Um, and sometimes it just takes time to work through it and get to a place where you can get into that mindset of deal, not dwell. Um, Cause sometimes trauma is so, so hard that you are paralyzed for a little bit. And that's a real, real thing. It's scientific, right? You're just paralyzed. And, but once you can come out of that fog, um, I think it's important that we we do that. We deal with it as we need to, but we don't dwell on it. And we do focus on all that is right and all that is good. Because I think that if we focus on what's wrong, that's just depressing. I mean, even for people that aren't like me, just look around the world, watch the news for five minutes. Like if we dwell on all that's wrong in this world, um, it's just not a way to live. So I think that's the other thing too, is just... Um, no matter what your trauma is, no matter when it is, not even comparing, just learning coping mechanisms for your trauma and what coping mechanisms work best for which person. And that's different for everybody too. But but yeah, it's funny that you talked about that because I just had that conversation yesterday that I think that I think when you've had endless trauma, if you're doing it with God and you're doing it in a healthy way, you're almost better at at addressing things and at coping with new things as they pop up because you've had so much life experience doing it. Absolutely. Well, and, and to your point, I I love the distinction of deal, not dwell. And it's easy to allow our trauma to define us. And that becomes our identity that we never let go of instead of like, it happened in my life, but it doesn't define who I am. Nice. And I can it'll always be a part of my story, but it has to define my story. Let's, let's talk about, you talked about having tools like in dealing with trauma. So let me ask you uh, just, I don't even know if that's a fair question. How would you define trauma? Um, <laughs> because we hear it a lot, right? Yeah. I'm, it That's a very traumatic experience. I'm dealing with trauma. There's generational trauma that, that child's in trauma, they're operating from a place of trauma. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between trauma and pain? And how would you, how would you explain it a little bit? And I don't, like I said, I don't know if it's a fair question. And then to piggyback on that, what should we know about it in tools? Like if, if we're wanting to talk to somebody, like I think we, a lot of times we end up not talking at all to somebody because we don't want to say the wrong thing or we don't know how much it's going to trigger something so we don't even know what's appropriate and talking with somebody that's coming from that place of trauma that was a lot i just gave that you. was but i think i but i think i got it so going back to the very beginning i think trauma causes pain um so i think trauma is not the same as pain but i think trauma causes pain Mm-hmm. And yeah, that term trauma, I'm not going to give the scientific definition, but in my world, trauma, and in the world, you know, of, of Winged Hope and those that we help and serve, trauma is, is really any like really hard thing that, that kind of freezes you for a second. So I always say we jump in in the hurricane of these moments. So trauma is any kind of hurricane that comes into your life and, and causes pain, um, and then, okay, now I, now I lost track of the second half of the question. Tools, like <laughs> tools, tools yeah. like uh, even for the person dealing with it, but also for a person trying yes. to minister and love on somebody in trauma. Yes. 
and you were saying how it's, it seems easier to say nothing. That was, that was a great point because that I always say, and people think I'm joking, but I'm really not. When my daddy killed himself, um, I actually got more sympathy cards. And actually one of my, my doggies just died, but I always say like when a pet dies, when one of my pet dies, I get more sympathy cards for when my pet dies than I ever did when my daddy died because people didn't know how to respond. And like you said, it seems easier to say nothing. I feel like I'm always having that conversation with people who don't have lots of trauma because they think, well, I don't want to upset them. So I just won't say anything. And that is wrong. Um, so mm -hmm. I feel like anything that you say to someone who's hurting can, you know, can help them because it helps them to know that you care. I think people say the wrong thing a lot um, because they don't know what to say. But I think instead of focusing on that, um, people that are hurting will instead remember that you tried. Um, mm -hmm. They'll remember that, um, you know, she may have done it, not done it perfectly, but she tried. Like, I, I again, thinking back to when my daddy died, I remember somebody that I worked with came and said something to me and she was a really young girl. So she just didn't know, but I remember she said something that wasn't terribly sensitive, but I honest to God, don't remember what that was. I just remember thinking like, Oh, she just doesn't know. And, mm -hmm. and then I remember thinking, but you know what I do remember? She came, she actually came to my door. She hugged me. She said, I'm sorry. And that's what I remember. So that's what I wish people would would think about and focus on is yeah when someone's had trauma and they've had the pain the best way to walk with them is just be there um and don't feel like you have to say anything and then you don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing like just being there physically your presence matters i think a lot of times people will say like let me know if i can do anything don't do that just do it <laughs> just go mm -hmm. um just go and be and show up at their doorstep and just say i'm here what what can we do let's clean your kitchen let's you know um let's go to the grocery, let me go to the grocery store for you what do you need like trauma tends to kind of paralyze people at first when that hurricane first comes and so i think that's when they really need you to kind of uh do more than say um mm -hmm. so show up and do what they need while they're frozen um until they figure out next steps does that answer that Oh yeah, I think the word frozen is very adequate because when you're in trauma, you're you don't know what you need, you don't even know what day it is, you don't right. know what's going on, and so somebody to say what do you need, which is a tendency with all of us. I know I've done yeah. that in the past, yeah. and I've had to learn like they don't know because, like you said, no. they're frozen. But just showing up and I, there's there's traditions. I don't know if it's a Jewish tradition or whatever. When somebody has lost a loved one that people will just show up outside the house and just sit outside for like days, like days oh, of morning. And it's just to your point, it's presence just that yeah. I showed up that I cared that this person is not alone. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of life is when things happen to us in life and a lot of things do unexpectedly, you just don't want to be alone. You want to know right. that somebody cares. Somebody just showed up and just sat there or left something on your doorstep or just right. like sees you. And yeah. recognizes the pain you're in. And I think that's yeah. a gift we can really give each other. In the last few Ooh. minutes we have, um, I know you work a lot with domestic violence and you mm -hmm. see a lot of that. And our church and even with the Amplified Peace, we um, we 
we read through a community needs assessment that Dignity Health had had created and published, which was really helpful because we were asking ourselves, what are the real needs in our community? What are the real pain points? What's what's really creating trauma in our community? Mm -hmm. So that even we as a church, we as a peacemaking organization can really attend to real needs and not needs we think are happening. And so surprised to learn that in our community, which you would never, it looks great on the outside, Mm -hmm. that domestic violence, substance abuse, we're, we're at the top mental health. And that's how I connected with you. Cause I started asking questions. Who should I meet? Who do I need to know? And they're like, Jessica, and <laughs> you met, you shared your story, Amplify Peace did. We created an experience for people to hear voices in their community. And yours was one of them that just wrecked people in, in all the right ways. Cause I think sometimes we mm-hmm. need to be wrecked in those ways to, to create awareness and education. Um, how do we, as a even as individuals, but as a community, become more aware. How do we support? How do we see? How do we recognize? Because a lot of these things, like even with domestic um, violence, happens in silence and in secret. Mm-hmm. How do we even start identifying if somebody is in trauma, or there's something not quite right? And then, what is the appropriate response? So with domestic violence, it is important that everyone's being safe because uh, when an abuser gets wind that their victim is even thinking about leaving is when the lethality, so the risk of death, um, really increases. So, so everything that we're about to say, I do want everyone to be really careful when you jump in, but the, the way we can know something is happening with domestic violence child abuse with anything is trusting our instincts and trusting Mm -hmm. when you feel like something's wrong it usually is it doesn't mean necessarily that it's what you think it is but if you think something's wrong something's wrong um so that's number one trusting our instincts and knowing when something's going on the other thing that i think is important for people to know because i hear that comment a lot of like you know it's not my business you know what do I care if something's happening to my neighbor? Like that's in their home, that's their family's business. I don't need to get involved. And so a statistic I really think is important that I like to share is that um, witnessing domestic violence, witnessing it, not experiencing it yourself, but witnessing it. So like a child who sees his dad hit his mom is the single greatest predictor of juvenile delinquency and adult criminality. So for the people that say it's not my business, it's not my place, like, that's the number one indicator that if someone doesn't get healing, they're going to lead a life of violence and crime in your community. So it, it is everyone's business. Um, that being said, carefully um, offering help is, is, is the number one way. And then reaching out to an organization like Winged Hope, um, like a New Leaf. Um, there's a lot of organizations that, that help domestic violence victims. Reaching out to an organization that does this is what I would suggest because um, and I, I see so many well-meaning people and I love the hearts of these people when they take someone in and let this lady live in their house. Um, but then what's happening is now their lives are in danger too mm-hmm. um, because this bad guy, and I say bad guy because it is usually a guy, sometimes it's a girl, but it's usually a guy, um, is going to um, now see them as um 
as the bad guy too, and they're going to want to um, retaliate against them. So it can actually literally be life threatening, especially for the victim, but also those who help the victim. So I would say just be loving to them, be kind to them, um, and then be kind to the children too, because I think we um, there's a lot of books and they call children who witness domestic violence the invisible victims because again, as that statistic shows, it definitely impacts us, but we we aren't really seen as well. In the state of Arizona, victims of dom- children who witness domestic violence aren't seen as um, victims of the crime. So they actually don't get services through the state, um, which is mm-hmm. something Wing Tope does because we know those children are definitely impacted by that. So, so again, in a careful, safe way, um, let them know they're loved the victim and the the children of the victim and then reach out to an expert is what I would say. Um, Absolutely. And, and you can go to pretty much any website or just Google signs of domestic violence. Um, On our website, we have what's called tip sheets and you can find the domestic violence ones. There's 10 signs. And what I think is important to share too, before we go is um, out of those 10 signs that you're in an abusive relationship, only one of those signs has anything to do with physical abuse. Most of domestic violence is about control. And so it's things like isolate you, control your finances, um, you know, things like that. So it's, it's other things that have nothing to do with the physical piece. The physical aspect is one small piece of it. And I think that's a misconception the public has. Oh, this has been such a great conversation on many, many levels. I want to have you back. Um, but I, this conversation is important because part of our work with Amplified Peace, peacemaking is we have to have peace with ourselves, peace with ourselves, mm-hmm. peace with others and peace with God. And a lot of this is when you're dealing and you're living through trauma, it's hard to have that peace. Again, people can find you at wingtope.com. And get, is that correct? Wingtope.org. Yeah, but God will work too. It'll get you okay. there. Yeah. Wingtope.org. <laughs> I highly encourage our listeners to run to it and, and just for resources and you are fantastic at just making sure people are seen and heard and taken care of as always. Thanks for being a part of this podcast and the Amplify Peace community for more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world, connect with us at amplifypeace.com and you can follow us on all social media. Shalom. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.